All right. Well, this morning, um, my daughter, one of her favorite times when she sees dad on the computer, the thing that she always asks for is, dad, can we look at pictures? She loves to look at pictures. She's one of those that will say, oh, daddy, can we look at some Missio Day pictures? And so we go to the Missio Day photo album and we go through them all. And she sees herself in the worldwide day of play, you know, with the little uh, paintings on her face. And she goes, oh, look, there's so-and-so, or there's so-and-so. And there's something about pictures that my daughter loves. She just loves seeing people, people that she recognizes. But what she sees often as a little girl is just faces. She sees just... Um, She'll see John Beale, or she'll see Kim Beale, and she'll say, oh, I know them. Oh, Daddy, there, there I am. And she just sees a face. There's something about cameras. There's something about and my daughter taking pictures. Oh, I hate it. Because she does. she's at that age right now where she does, uh, I say, okay, look at Dad, and she'll do one of these or she'll never, she'll always look down here, or she'll look at over here, and it's like, look at me. But I wonder, if I would take this camera this morning, and I'd take a picture of you, what do we really see? If I take a picture of John Meskus back there, what is it that I would see? I'd see a guy that wears... 34 waist, 34 long jeans. He's got more leg than he's got upper body. You'll, you'll see a guy who, who maybe doesn't shave unless he has to or unless his wife gets on him. You know, uh, if I take a picture of, of Darlene Tamanich, you know, maybe I'd see a future um, union rep of some sort because she's she's on the ballot for the school, um, the public school here, the union. You know. Oh, it's on, it's on the wall over there, so I know these things. Uh, you know, or w- would I see uh, the Darlene that I knew about seven years ago? Or is it just showing the Darlene of today? If I take, take a picture of Eric Bailey or Anita, what do these pictures really show? They often show just the outward appearance of a person. And when we look at the body of Christ, when we come here Sunday after Sunday, what do we see? We see a handshake. Hey, how was your week? What you doing? Hey, how's that job going? Are you looking for another job? And we get this very superficial, external snapshot of you, of me. And this week, as uh, I was pouring over the story of, of a man with leprosy, it became very real to me that it's a, it's a painful story. It's a painful story of me. And it's a painful story of you. And it's our story. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, 
This is our story. No matter if you're, you're still investigating uh, these claims of Christianity, these claims of Christ, no matter if you have been walking with him as long as you have been this, this little child, this is really a story about us. And so I want to invite you into the story. And if, if you need a Bible, there's Bibles along the inside and outside. And I encourage you to follow along. It's on page 695. And really listen to see if this man is you. If it reflects the, the condition of your heart, your soul right now. So follow along with me. 1 verse 40 through 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone this to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he began to talk freely, spreading the news as a result. Jesus could no longer enter a town openly but stayed outside in a lonely, in the lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. This is a story of a man. We don't know how old he is. We don't know how long he's had this disease that we now call Hansen's disease. For a long time, he's had a disease. A skin disease that has set him apart from everybody. There's something about this disease that is, is repulsive. And a lot of people, when they think of, of leprosy, they think of a, a guy that's walking along and all of a sudden his arm falls off or his fingers fall off or his nose falls off. Something is just falling off constantly. But the reality is, is that leprosy itself does not cause limbs just to fall off. As hilarious as that would be, just to walk down the street and see a guy's arm fall off, or maybe that's sad, I don't know, something sadistic there, but this, the sight of a limb falls off. What really is happening with this disease is that it is caused, the disease causes a numbness. It's, a, it's an anesthetic that, that goes through the whole body and causes you to be numb. It causes you to be numb in your extremities. And so that whenever you pick up something, whenever you are, um, maybe some food has fallen into your fire in your small little home in, in that time, and you pick it up and you don't, do not feel the pain. Because over time, you can't feel anything anymore. You're growing numb. Your whole body is growing numb. 
It could be uh, an accidental cut on your hand that you did not feel, but over time it becomes infected. And after a while, that causes gangrene. That causes the limbs to die. In reality, this really is a, a parable about sin. This is a parable about our condition. Our sinful condition. And in our day and age, we don't like to really talk about sin. We like to talk about how good you are. And, you know, one of the, the biggest sellers, one of the biggest book uh, sections in any kind of store, especially of borders, is what? Does anybody know? Self-help. And then it's dieting. Food. How can you have a better you? You know, you're not so bad. All you have to do is just overcome. You just have to do these things. But there's something that Scripture is constantly reminding us of, is that you, by nature, are sinful. You, by nature, cannot help yourself but to sin. And this is a story of a man that comes to Christ, and he is supposed to, if you look in Leviticus 13 and 14, there are definite rules and regulations about the life of a leper. A person with any kind of skin disease, this person must live outside the city limits. And whenever people are close by, he has to scream, scream out, unclean, unclean, and people will scatter because they don't want to catch what he has. There even came to came a point in the early, um, about the time of Jesus, where it talked about the, uh, the rabbis basically considered these people to be dead. The walking dead. You don't touch. You don't interact. You keep your distance from these kind of people. They're unhealthy people to be around. The clothing that they must wear has got to be loose clothing. Anything that they come in contact with must be burned. Their clothing, once they are so ragged that they can't be worn anywhere anymore, has, has got to be burned. These are people that you just avoid at any cause. Because a touch from them will lead to your contamination. And so, this man comes to Jesus. I don't know if Jesus was walking around the outskirts of the village. doesn't say. I don't know if, you know, he was, Jesus was in the marketplace and all of a sudden this guy kind of comes through. But whatever the case, this man, an unclean man, came to Jesus. And could you imagine what the crowds did? There was suddenly this, <gasps> give him space. Jesus, do you realize who this man is? Look at him. Obviously, his clothes, he's unkept. This man is a leper. And he comes and he falls at the feet of Jesus and says, If you are willing, 
You can make me clean. Jesus, if you're willing, you know my condition. You know what I'm like. You know what everybody else says about me. You know my condition. I've not touched my wife. I've not touched my children. I haven't been near people. You know what what the, the Bible teaches about me, what the Scriptures teach about me. You know who I am. If you're willing, you, you can make me clean. And I say it's a story about us. It's a story about me. And I, I remember clearly the day in 1989 where all of a sudden this becomes real. I, you see, I grew up in the church. Kindergarten through high school, went off to a Christian college, Christian parents, Christian day school, You name it, I did it. But there's something inside me that just was not clicking. It wasn't real. This this Jesus stuff, this God stuff wasn't real. It's like, this is a bunch of baloney. What are you talking about? I don't see it changing other people's lives. But there was that day in 1989 where all of a sudden it clicked. It clicked and it's like, I understand. That is my condition. That is who I, I am. Jesus, if you're able, would you make me clean? Would you heal me? There's a, a man named uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones who died in 1981, and he said this about, um, it is a spiritual necessity to have a sense of sin. Have a sense of sin. And this is what he said. What is more? Unless you have experienced that, unless you have known that, unless you are not a Christian, you do not believe in Christ as your personal Savior. Unless you realize that you cannot possibly have felt the need of Christ. You may have felt the need of help and advice and comfort, but until you wake to the fact that your nature itself is evil, until you realize that your trouble is that you yourself are wrong and that your whole nature is wrong, until you realize that, you will never have felt the need for a Savior. Christ cannot help or advise or comfort you until He has first of all saved you. Until He has changed your nature. Oh my friends, have you felt this? God have mercy upon you if you haven't. You may still have been inside the church all your life and actively engaged in its work. But still I say, that unless you have at some time or other felt your very nature itself is sinful, that you are, in the words of St. Paul, dead in sin, 
then you have never known Jesus Christ as a Savior. And if you do not know Him as a Savior, you do not know Him at all. This is a story. A parable of sin. We are like this leper. We're like this man who just says, look at me. Look at, look at my condition. Look at who I am. I am helpless. I'm lonely. I have not been touched in years. My condition is awful. And he came to a point of decision. Of recognizing a man who can heal. A man who can save. And the one thing that he said that I think he missed out on is, he said, if you are able. And we, since we, we have the full scriptures, we know since you are able would be far more appropriate. But I think a lot of us, and I'm going to be honest, starting with me, we still have this sense of spiritual leprosy in our life. Where in reality, there's parts of us that are still numb. Still numb to some kind of sin in our life. That although we may have given our lives to Christ and recognize that He's Lord of our life, there's still some area in our life that is just full of leprosy. And I wonder what that is for you. Because I think when the body of Christ, when the individuals and the corporate body recognize that there's some kind of spiritual leprosy in their, in their body, Action must take place. Honesty has got to happen. Accountability has got to happen. Healing has got to happen. Submitting to one another has got to happen. Submitting this area to Christ has got to happen. For us to feel the wholeness. To feel life again. And the beautiful thing is here, as soon as Jesus touched him and said, be clean, the next word that Mark uses, and this is one of Mark's favorite words, is immediately. Immediately, the leprosy was gone. The skin disease was gone. It vanished. It's, it's no longer anywhere on him. There's not... A, not any, and I wonder if all of a sudden, ping, 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 if fingers popped out, you know, and all the disfiguredness also just came. I just wonder what it really looked like. But it says immediately, his skin was whole. And the beautiful thing is that Jesus, the man that we're called to emulate and to be like, extended a hand. 
and he touched. He touched the untouchable. God, there's this uh, quote by Origen. So he touches him in his untouchability. That he might instruct us, the body of Christ, in humility. That he might teach us that we should despise no one or abhor them. Or regard them as pitiable because of some wound of their body or some blemish for which they might be called to render an account. Let us consider here, beloved, if there is anyone here that has a taint of leprosy in his soul or the contamination of guilt in his heart, if he has, instantly adoring God, let him say, Lord, if you will, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Christ touches Paul Vroom, Paul McGowan, Bob, Sally, Anita. He touches us in our untouchability. He touches me in my dirtiest, most shameful places. Those areas, you know, and I think we all have those, those areas that we would really prefer that absolutely no one would see. Those closets of sin that we have under lock and key. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, oh, please, if we have guests over, please don't ever let them see that area of my life. But Christ breaks the rules, and he touches us in our untouchability. And immediately, we're made whole. In that split second of belief, and that split second of faith, we're made whole. And that's a beautiful thing. Back in 89, where all of a sudden I go, I get it! And that's, I I would say, one of the first times that I can remember me crying. A man crying, God forbid. But where all of a sudden the lights come on, the reality of the work of Jesus Christ, Christ touching my untouchability. Me healing, Him healing me from the inside out. Changing me. Therefore, if anyone is Christ, He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I am sure that if this leper had a mirror, he was reminded daily of his disfigurement. And if it wasn't with a mirror, it was with the reaction of people around us. But the danger with us and our sin is that all too often it's unseen. We don't see it. We hide it well. We tuck it away in those places that are private, we do it in places that nobody goes. In the privacy of our own heart, lust creeps in. In the privacy of our own heart, pride takes the throne. Or selfishness. Or bitterness. Or anger. 
whatever it is, and the privacy it takes a spot and it nurtures and it grows. And after a while, it starts to bud and bear fruit. And it starts to disfigure. And it affects relationships. It affects marriages. It affects how we serve side by side. Or whether we serve side by side. It affects our children. It affects our co-workers. It affects our view of a beautiful woman or a handsome man. It goes from beauty to lust, moving into pornography to abuse. And this is a story about me. It's a story about you. It's a story about us. And I wonder if, if we are at the point like this leper is, who is saying, I'm sick of my condition. I'm sick of my condition. I can't take it anymore. I need a Savior. I need healing. I need relief. I need the touch. And maybe that's you this morning. If I'm willing to bet, it's probably all of us this morning. One way or another, it's all of us this morning. Even the most pious, the most holy of us have an ounce of spiritual leprosy. And you could put the best Sunday face on. You can have a glossy photo of yourself. But if we could get Beyond that, to your very heart, your very condition, are you at the point where you are saying, I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way. I can't be this person. I need to give it to the Savior. I can't do this anymore. I can't be this good Christian who does these activities and inside is just pure leprosy where I'm just being eaten from the inside out and I'm scared really who I am on the inside. I'm willing to bet that, honestly, probably the most of us. So Jesus said, I am willing. Be clean. And the leper goes on. And Jesus gave him some very specific instructions. 
Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. 43. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. And this, this is, you know, we can quickly read over that, that, that section right there. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. But then we go on to this next section. See that you, or we go to 45. Instead, this is what the leper did. Instead, he went out and began talking freely, spreading the news to everyone. And we go, yeah, he's evangelizing. He's telling everybody about Jesus. This is great. But Jesus gave him a firm warning. There's a process here. A process of healing. A process of growth. A process of wholeness again. He said, go show yourself to the elders. Make the proper sacrifices. Do what you need to do. But the leper missed it. And in fact, what, what happened was it had an impact on the ministry of Christ. Jesus had to leave that area because everybody came to him just for, just for healing, but not real soul change. And I wonder how many of us don't spend enough time healing. Where we jump ourselves right into ministry and say, well, you know what? Jesus has done this amazing work in my life and look at me. I'm a new creation. Yes, you are. But you're having a hard time walking. Why don't you take some time Do the sacrifices that you need to do. Present yourself. Be faithful. Breathe. Understand what it means to follow instructions. And then celebrate. And then tell everybody. And I'm not saying that the second that we become saved, we should not tell a soul. I'm saying maybe... Maybe we need to really consider time for healing as a body. That as you see Christ working in you, and He's stirring something in you, you take some time for some real healing. I love Missio Day. It's probably the hardest job I've ever done or ever will do. It kicks my butt, kicks my marriage. It makes me question, makes me wonder about what God is doing in me, what He's doing in us. I love what we're becoming, but it's messy. And sometimes, some of us reek of rotten flesh that really needs to be healed. There's this process called sanctification, becoming more and more and more like Christ.
I can't wait to see what we look like in a month, six months, a year. What God's going to do in our midst. How God's going to be working in individuals, in relationships between father and child, boyfriend and girlfriend, fiancé and fiancé. Is that right? Fiancé, fiancé. Them. And uh, what God's going to be doing in marriages, in ministries, in this community. But I think really before we think about jumping forward too much, before we need to really think about, you know, taking this community by force, and I think there's something about submitting. And doing an honest inventory of self. And I'll tell you, it has been it has been a long journey for me. There's days where I'm still an eight year old boy, recalling vivid scenes that no eight year old boy should ever have to deal with. And it's a process of allowing God to take more and more and fuller control of my life. And me being honest with the community and say, I can't do that. At this point in my life, I cannot and I should not be doing that. Because it will cause damage. But today, I know that I'm clean. I know that Christ has made me whole. I'm a new creation, but I'm a work in process. And I hope we all can say that. Paul, oh, I'm a work in progress, and man, it, it really sucks. It hurts. I don't understand why this happened to me. I don't understand why this is going on right now. But I'm a work in progress. And I hope we are a community that embraces that. Embraces that we're a work in progress. But we also encourage each other to go. Be in process. Be intentional. Where are you getting your healing? Do you need to see a counselor? If so, get off your tail and see a counselor. You struggling with porn? Tell your wife. Tell your girlfriend, tell your boyfriend, tell your best friends who will beat the tar out of you. Get rid of DSL. You don't need a computer. Struggling with pride? Confess it to one another. But I... I love you guys enough to say that I think that we have spiritual leprosy. And if you're a guest, please come back next week. You might want to move your chair a little bit. We're not that contagious. But I think there's a certain amount of numbness and hopefully God is 
removing that numbness. But I think that there is a certain amount of it that we have in our hearts, our souls. Certain areas that need to really be touched. We're going to be celebrating communion in just a little bit. And this this is a a meal. This is a a celebration of the work that Jesus Christ has done. The healing that He has done for His people. For God's glory. This is a time where we remember who we were, who we are, and who we are becoming. This is remembering that Jesus, in humility, gave up His place of glory, took on the very nature of mankind to touch us in our untouchability, to heal us right where we're at, to bring us along through this process of growth. To die on a cross, a criminal's death, for the sake of true, true life. Life in Christ. To become a new creation. To say that my testimony is the old is gone and this new has come. But I must remind you of what the Scriptures do say about uh, communion. We believe that you can participate in any activity that we have here at Missio Dei. Any activity. But there is one that I ask that if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you just sit back. Watch what's going on. Observe question, wonder. Because this meal is reserved for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is what it says. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and after He had given thanks, He broke it, saying, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the meal, he took the cup, saying, This is a cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Taking these These simple elements. Jesus said, listen. This is a special meal of remembering my body. Broken for you. Remember my body. My ultimate act of humility. 
And the same way, he said, this cup is a new covenant. You no longer have got to sacrifice lambs. You no longer have to sacrifice bulls. You never have to do those things again. Because you know what? I am the ultimate sacrifice. I'm the new covenant. This is the once and for all. For you. So whenever you do this, do it in remembrance of me and proclaim this story, this life change, until I come again. Psalm 34, 8 says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man, woman, or child that takes refuge in Him. We're going to leave this up during communion. Meditate on that. Tasting and the seeing and the savoring, the remembering how good God is. Remember that He is good. Now there are some of you here this morning who, uh, if you're honest with yourself, you're chuck full of some kind of leprosy. And this is the, the point of extreme vulnerability and honesty. This is the time where confession steps in between you and God, but also to your brothers and sisters. If you need to step out, make a phone call. I encourage you to do that. If you have somebody here that you need to confess to, I encourage you to do that. If you need to just take somebody and say, can we pray? I need some accountability in this area of my life before I come to the Lord's table. If you are a person that is saying, Paul, I think the light is on for the first time. I get it. I get it. I get this life in Christ thing. I'm going to tell you I'm going to be in the back during this communion. And I encourage you to come back. I'm available for any kind of prayer. But if there is something stirring in your heart, God is saying, go. I encourage you to go. So would the communion service please come forward? We celebrate this by means of intinction. You'll be offered a piece of bread, which you'll take for yourself. Take it. Take it, and they'll say the body of Christ, broken for you. Go to the next person, dip it in, the juice, the blood of Christ, poured out for you. But come when you're ready. This will also be the time 
where we uh, will be taking another offering. But it's going to be an offering for those who are in need. It's called our benevolence. So if there's any people in our community who are in dire need of financial help, whether it be food or counseling or anything like that, this is our time for, uh, for that giving as well. So after you're, you're done with your communion, come on forward. Give of your offering if you have any. But take your time. This is a time between you, God, and the body of Christ.